You know, my, my viral blog, Choose Her Every Day or Leave Her, when that blog went viral, it was three months after I wrote it, and a million people a day were reading that blog on my own website. A million a day were reading that blog for weeks. The crazy thing is I don't even remember writing it. I was just so consistently in that practice, I don't even remember writing the blog. I know it's mine, it's my story, my words. I wrote, I wrote that damn blog, but I don't remember. And there were other blogs that I wrote at that same time around that same area that, that, that I remember thinking, oh, this blog is so good, this is gonna blow up. This is the viral one, everyone's gonna love this. And crickets, I got crickets. Welcome to Men This Way, the podcast for every man who seeks to live his deepest purpose in life, who's committed to showing up fully and giving his unique gifts to the world. Because if not you, then who? I'm your host and fellow journeyman, Brian Reeves. Brian with a Y, Reeves. Men This Way. What is the one thing that you know you should be doing every day to ensure you have a great day? Are you regularly doing it? And if not, why not? And are you aware of the cost? Well, in this episode, which is actually inspired by a conversation I had just last night, I'm going to share with you both some of my triumphs, but also some of my struggles around simply living each day well. You know, going to bed deeply satisfied each night that I, you know, with the strong sense that I kicked ass that day and lived well. That's something that has been really hard to come by for me through the decades of my adult life. And one of the things, one of the reasons that I've long struggled with this is because I've sort of bought into this thinking over and over again that I know what I have to do to be successful in life, in all the ways that I want to be successful. And yet the reality is I never seem to really have that figured out. You know, success has come to me in ways that I never would have imagined and it is in, and it has eluded me in the ways that I was sure it would come. So I'm going to share with you one of my key commitments that my key daily commitments, like commitments to myself, that has really paved the way for my greatest successes. And what happened when I stopped honoring that commitment due to the challenges that then came with all the success. And at the end, I'll share my three key takeaways, which I think will be really inspiring for you and help orient you or stay oriented on your own path to living your own life well each day. So definitely stay tuned through to the end of this episode of Men This Way. And if you want to share feedback or share what this inspires in you, please feel free to email me directly at brian at brianreeves.com. It's brian with a Y at brianreeves.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts. All right, let's dive. I had a conversation last night with uh, a man uh, about 12 years younger than me who I could really relate to. He, he was traveling a lot all over the world, really kind of, uh, you know, he'd quit his job in finance and tech, 
we got to speaking about, you know, I'm 40, I'm, I'll be 46 here soon. And we just got to speaking about our journeys. And he was asking me a lot of questions about my own journey and, and, and kind of how I got to where I'm at today. You know, we were sharing about how when I got out of the military, there was no YouTube. You know, I was 26 years old. There was no YouTube. There was no Facebook. This was in 2001. I was lost in my life. I had no idea what direction to go in. I knew that I couldn't just go to work for some defense contractor or just take some job in, you know, I don't know, industry. I was just dead inside and I needed to, uh, I needed to, to, I just needed to get lost in the world. And that's essentially what I did. I, I, I picked up my uh, a backpack. I sold all my belongings, gave my car to my sister. And, and, uh, one day, you know, shortly after the military, I was home with my mom at my mom's place. And I said to her, it was so adorable, but I said, mom, you know, uh, I may never come home again. Like I just really needed to believe that I might never, like I, I needed the freedom to explore and just go out and venture into the world. And this really began my journey and practice of kind of trusting my inner knowing, my inner guide. And believe me, my inner guide was totally offline uh, when I began this journey. I just had no idea what to do with myself. And but that 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 was 26 years old, so it was 20 years ago. But that really began my my life practice um, in in just sort of surrendering to the flow of things, and it was excruciating, and I hurt a lot on that journey. Uh, you know, coming out of the military, feeling very stuck, very um, not free to to trust my intuition, to follow my inner guidance. I mean, I wasn't free. I was contracted by the military. And to do certain work for an amount for five years on active duty. And although I'm very proud of my service, it was excruciatingly painful at the same time because it just it just felt so deeply disconnected from what uh, I, I could just sort of, I felt like I was I was here to do on the planet. And I didn't know what that was, but being in the military in a way at that time was preventing me from from seeking that out and exploring it. And so um, anyway. Uh, you know, I just want to fast forward through that because I want to talk about my blogging, my journey of blogging and how that paved the way for my success, because this was really the meat of our, of our conversation last night, because I started blogging back in, well, the truth is I wrote my first blog when I was in the military. It just wasn't called blogging at the time. It was an email. It was a little essay I wrote that I then sent around to friends and family and coworkers. And it was a, at the time the, the essay was why I don't believe in marriage. And it was the, the first line was, uh, I have four parents and between them, they have seven divorces. That was the first line of my first blog written back in, I think, 1999. And again, it was just an email. It wasn't even a blog. I didn't start formally blogging. And by the way, I don't believe that anymore. 
I do believe in marriage, actually. Uh, I was 25 and remember trapped in, by the military and disoriented, confused and around relationship. And here I am 20 years later, a relationship coach. And my first blog in the military was about relationships. It's so fascinating. So anyway, um, if you want that blog, I was going to tell you I would send it to you, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not even sure I could find it. Um, but I started formally blogging in 2008 or nine when I was managing music artists. And it was by, on the suggestion of a friend of mine, the same friend, by the way, who said I should start a podcast a few years ago. Um, very dear, my dear, very dear friend, Fabian Al-Sultani. And he suggested I should start a blog. I'm managing this band and, uh, I ought to, we're traveling all over the country, this amazing music experience, touching hearts and souls all over the country. And I was like, that's a great idea. I love writing. So I started my first blog in 2009. And I loved writing. And as the band manager, you know, we didn't have a huge fan base. Uh, we might have 100 people show up at our concerts, but it was pretty consistent. And I might have 10 people read a blog in a day. But I loved it. I loved the writing. I loved, this was my art. And um, I loved telling my story, my observations and insights. This was back in 2009, in the early days of blogging. And I would, I just loved it. But, you know, I had a very small audience for years. And then the band broke up. And uh, they broke up probably, I don't know, two or three years into that experience. And here I am with this blog and I'm thinking, well, gosh, what should I do with this? I love writing, but I don't, I was writing as the band manager. I don't know what to do anymore, but I'll just, so I'll just write about not knowing what to do anymore. Uh, being in this kind of void, this, um, this sort of cocoon phase. And it was very uncomfortable. And I just wrote about how uncomfortable it was being in the not knowing. It was, it was very exciting at the same time. And still, you know, I might have 10 or 20 people read a blog. Um, and this was still, you know, my social media wasn't very strong in terms of followership and readership. And so, but I was loving it. I was really enjoying blogging. And I was doing it consistently. You know, if you go on my blog today at brianreeves.com, you can go back years and see these early blogs when I was managing this band. You know, I wrote a, a blog when we were on a break about my trip to Harbin Hot Springs, which is a clothing optional uh, hot springs up in Northern California where most people pretty much opt not for clothing. And it was my first trip to a place like that. And it's pretty, it's a pretty funny blog, uh, <laughs> actually, very comical. It's one of my funniest blogs I think I've ever written uh, about, you know, my experience being naked around people. And uh, it was fantastic. But you can go back for years and read these old, old articles, because I was doing it consistently. And, um, you know, that was the one thing that even as my work evolved and I, I, you know, when I stopped managing a band and I started, uh, I partnered, or I became a member of this organization called GATE, the Global Alliance for Transformational Entertainment in Los Angeles, where I was working alongside people like Marianne Williamson, uh, Eckhart Tolle, uh, Jim Carrey. I got to meet Jim Carrey. He was an honorary founder 
of that organization, him and Eckhart Tolle, uh, and this man named John Rotz, who became a sort of mentor of mine, who was the founder and visionary of Gate. And John, uh, I have an interview with him, actually. He's one of the first interviews I did on this podcast. And, you know, I wasn't getting paid for any of this work, but I was being around really inspired people uh, playing in a, at a, uh, in a big way in life. And, and it was just incredible to be around. But again, I wasn't making any money. You know, I wasn't... I it wasn't necessarily pointing a way forward, but I kept writing. I just kept writing. I kept blogging because I loved writing. And my audience maybe would, you know, I might spike to, to 50 or 60 people reading a blog or so, but still nothing to really speak for. And this, this endured for years. And then back in, I guess, 2013, 14, um, you know, again, through multiple other projects, uh, supporting other people and their their visions to grow their their visionary work. I worked with a very dear friend of mine, Michael Wolper, uh, whose father, uh, I think it was David Wolper, I can't remember his name, but but the Wolper organization who produced the film uh, Char uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the original. My friend Michael, he actually swam in the Chocolate River. Uh, in the Willy Wonka factory when he was a boy because his father produced that film. He also produced Roots, the famous miniseries Roots about uh, African slavery in uh, America, which I saw in my when I was in middle school. They, it was like required watching. And uh, so I got to work with Michael Wolper and we created an organization uh, dedicated to, to teaching mindfulness to... We worked with kids who had aut uh, who were on the autism spectrum, teaching them mindfulness. We worked with started a military veterans mindfulness organization, and it was incredible and amazing. And again, none of that though turned out to be any kind of lucrative. Uh, it all had great promise, had huge vision for it. Um, you know, there were just so many different things I was involved with that could have been wildly successful. And I hoped everything from managing that band, which. You know, people that always tell us, you guys need to be on Oprah Winfrey. This, this, I knew this was going to be the biggest band on the planet or the best band you've never heard of and never will. Uh, they're called Here to Hear, by the way. And you can listen to their music on Spotify. They're incredible. See them on YouTube. And, but anyway, all of these different projects, none of them brought me the success that I longed for and was certain would come through them. But all the while, I kept writing. That was the thing that just I knew uh, kind of regardless of the outcome, I needed to keep writing and I kept blogging. And in 2013, I think, I'd started my coaching practice, but it was part-time because I was still working with my friend Michael to do this mindful uh, meditation organization. But then that all everything collapsed in the sense that Michael pulled out of that for, for personal reasons and he was funding it. So now I had no income. I had my savings were spent. I'd sold all my Apple stock uh, that that had been kept me going, um, and all I had was my writing. And uh, of course, my and my experience and all the people, the relationships, and you know, so I was very very fortunate uh, in many many ways. But I had, but financially and even professionally, there was like. This was when I threw myself full-time into coaching because I had no other choice, 
really. I mean, I had lots of choice. We always have choice. But I knew go, just going and getting a job to make money and income was not the way for me. I could feel it. I just, I was, I felt revolted at the thought of going and, and applying for a job somewhere just for the sake of being able to pay rent. And um, I had some savings left, and you know, I was making some coaching income, but I was scared. I was, I was my whole money story was I was definitely nearing a bottom in many ways. And I went to live with my friend Kyle Cease. Uh, some of you may know him, the transformational comedian. Kyle's an amazing uh, friend. Uh, I wanted to live with a man, with someone who was rocking it in their life, making a lot of money, doing what they love and serving people, humanity at the same time. And so I got to spend a year with Kyle Um kind of just watching him, hanging out with him, seeing what he was, how he was doing it and the spirit within which he was doing it. And Kyle was just, he was having fun doing what he loved every day, comedy. I mean, if you've, if you haven't heard of Kyle, you have to go learn about Kyle Cease. He is, his videos are hysterical and they're teaching, uh, you know, they, 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 they teach deep, beautiful, spiritual, and inspiring messages in a very entertaining and funny way. And so it was really, it was, and this was also the, a time that I started to wake up. I was waking up to my, my relationship stuff, challenges around relationships. Until then, I was just doing life coaching. And I started writing on my blog about my relationship awakenings, um, what I was learning as a man that I had never seen before. No one had ever taught me. I mean, I, I never had elder men really guiding me through the transitions of my own boyhood to manhood process and learning and, and growth. And like so many men, I was just winging it as a man, winging it from boyhood to manhood. I Just winging it, disoriented because I had no deep orientation. I knew money couldn't orient me. I knew success for the sake of success didn't really ori didn't feel deeply orienting. Uh, I wasn't a religious person, so you know, sort of you know, a Christian God or a Muslim God or that that didn't feel orienting to me. So it's just kind of you know, following my heart really in many ways, and and but all the while uh, haunted by the the stories, the fears in my brain and my ego. Those. 15 years after the military leading up to when I was living with Kyle were, were, were exciting and fascinating and growth-oriented, but I also was lost a lot. And, you know, at times I would make a lot of money and then I would lose it. Um, and because it just, again, money didn't orient me. So when I was living with Kyle, and this is the point I'm really wanting to get to, is, again, I was writing. I just kept writing consistently. And when I was with Kyle, I didn't have other work. I wasn't you know, working on other projects. My coaching practice was still really in its infancy, even though I now threw myself into it full time to trying to build a coaching practice. I was still doing it very much kind of out of a kind of a fear-based mindset. Like I have to do this. Otherwise, I'm going to... Uh, fail, which means run out of money, and then I'm going to have to go live with my mom in Maryland and be a 40-year-old man living in his mom's basement. And that ain't going to work. <laughs> that was terrifying. 
So even then, my coaching practice was still that resistance in my mind, the fear, like it, it just, who wants to work with a coach who's afraid, who needs their money? You shouldn't. If you if you get that sense that you're you're hiring that some that you're you're looking for coaching or therapist or anybody and and they're just they just what they really want is your money and not I mean they're serving you is secondary to getting your money. Don't work with that person and you can feel it. You can feel it and and I know I was exuding that way back in the day, but I was still writing. And in my writing, I was not attached to an outcome. In my, I just loved writing. And I, so I was just cranking out blogs and I was writing about my awakenings as a man and, and in relationships and what finally discovering what the heck a woman wanted from me that I never knew she wanted from me and, and vice versa. I started, my blog started to really connect with people. And I started to notice, wow, hundreds of people, even thousands are starting to read my blogs. And so I like, wow, well, this is really encouraging. Let me just keep doing this. this. I'm having a great time and it's really connecting with people. So I kept doing it. And I think in the in that year, like 2013, 2014, I just was just, again, writing weekly. I started being invited to write for websites like The Good Men Project and The Daily Love uh, and Thought Catalog and Elephant Journal and, and, and these different websites that were, that were blowing up in their own right. And it was building an audience. But again, I wasn't making any money from it. I wasn't selling even programs at the time. My coaching practice, like those weren't necessarily translating into coaching clients. And uh, because again, around my coaching practice, I was still very in my strategizing fear-based brain. Like I have to do this to make money and I need to do it a certain way to make money. And I need to have my, I need to figure out how to enroll people in a certain way to get them to say yes. And like, again, all of that strategizing, all it did and out of that angst was served to keep money away from me. But my writing was pure. My writing was, it was my gift. It was my art. It was the thing that I was doing because I had to do to, 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 to live well each day, to, to feel just, I don't know, there was something about it that just lit me up. And in 2014, my blogs started to go viral. I started to have blogs that were read by a million people. I had my first million view blog. I think it was the, the sexiest three words a man can say to a woman. In that year, I think 2014, my blog, was. there were thousands of blogs written on this website called The Good Men Project, which uh, I love the website, but I'll just be honest with you, I don't really recommend it anymore. They have advertised the hell out of that website. It is unwieldy and it's really unfortunate. But I was writing for them and in 2014, I had the, my blog was the most read blog or it was in the top two anyway of the entire year on that website. And that was incredible. And I was still near and broke, wasn't making any money from it. So, you know, <laughs> I, this was at the time though I started working with my own coach and I started working with my own mindset stuff. Like, okay, where am I sabotaging myself around money? Where am I sabotaging myself around, even still around relationship and my orientation to, to women and, and self-worth and all of that. And I was working with a coach and, and uh, just doing, again, going to doing a lot of my personal inner growth work. I've been doing that forever. 
but it really went to a deeper level. And all the while, I'm still writing. And that year, as my blog started to, to explode, I had some, some viral hits. Now, here's the thing. Here's something that I want you to notice. You know, my, my viral blog, Choose Her Every Day or Leave Her, that blog was, uh, when that blog went viral, it was three months after I wrote it, and a million people a day were reading that blog on my own website. A million a day were reading that blog for weeks. The crazy thing is, I don't even remember writing it. I was just so consistently in that practice, I don't even remember writing the blog. That one specifically. I know it's mine. It's my story. My words. I wrote, I wrote that damn blog, but I don't remember. And there were other blogs that I wrote at that same time around that same area that, that, that I remember thinking, oh, this blog is so good. This is going to blow up. This is, gonna, this is the viral one. Everyone's going to love this. And crickets. I got crickets. Crickets maybe not even a thousand people read that blog and it didn't go anywhere or those blogs where I thought like I thought this was going to blow them up and I remember at this time people would tell me hey Brian we're we're uh, we're creating this viral video and it's this and I remember thinking you don't know that you're creating a viral video until it goes viral you don't have a viral video until a million people have watched it same and people would ask me same at the time, should I start a blog? I remember this. People would ask me, this was back in 2013, 14, when I was writing consistently. And and I would the, the only question I would ask them is, well, do you love writing? And, you know, I got usually it was like, no, I, I mean, I think I should just do it. Like, because doesn't a coach need a blog? Doesn't. No, if you don't love writing, don't write a blog because you're going to hate it. At that time in 2013, 33,000 new blogs were being started every day. And most of them were being quit within a month. Because, for example, no one's going to read you for a few years. You got to be prepared that no one is going to read your work for a few years. So you have to do it because you love doing it. Like this is the advice that I would give people. Not advice so much, but insight. What I did is I did what I loved every day consistently for years. That was not uh, directed towards some outcome, you know, financial or uh, or sort of success oriented outcome. And I'm, you know, I want to be really clear. I didn't have a family. I wasn't married. I didn't have kids, uh, you know, so I could in a way I could afford to to be to, to sort of to pursue that exclusively. Although I was trying all kinds of other things um, to create income and to be successful. Uh, you know, a businessman, I have never really been, uh, that's not sort of genetically encoded in me to be just entrepreneurial and business-like. I'm way too artist for that. So that's been a real challenge for me over the years. But it's doing my blogging consistently for years that created my success. And you know the interesting thing is that I would notice um, on days when I wouldn't write, and this is what's happened 
since becoming, since all the success that my writing created, it created a big business for me because I started to, I created online programs. I, my coaching practice did start to take off, uh, especially when I stopped worrying about money and I stopped orienting towards potential clients as, as yeah, I need, I need their money so that I can pay my rent and my bills and have a good life. I dropped all that through all my mindset work around money, shifting my fear around money, my scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset. Oh, it was amazing. You know, people started to really get that. Oh, I don't, I don't need their money. I want to serve. And if, if I can't serve you, then we shouldn't work together. When people really started to feel that they started to say yes to working with me more. It was fascinating. You know, I went from from you know a 10% enrollment rate one out of one out of 100 people would say that's one out of 10 i'm talking 1% so one out of 100 people would say yes to working with me i went from that to one out of 3 would say yes when i as i was doing this mindset work so money started uh, flowing in clients started flowing in my my online program started to to take off and all of a sudden now i have all this success and meaning a lot of work. And I love coaching. I love teaching through the programs. I love that they serve people. But I stopped writing consistently. I stopped doing what made me really successful, not just in the business, but what made me love my days. You know, when I on days when I wrote, I would go to bed. It didn't matter what happened that day. I would go to bed satisfied. I would go to bed feeling deeply fulfilled. Like I did what I came here to do. I, I, I wrote, I just wrote, even if it was for an hour or a couple hours, I went to bed feeling deeply satisfied. And I noticed, you know, it, like over the, over the last couple of years, as, as I just sort of was called to manage the business that was growing as a result of it, I got pulled away from, from that core daily practice. My discontent grew. I struggled to feel good at the end of the days. I even started getting addicted to video games again. I had years prior, I had taken all video games off my phone because they were such a distraction. They were, I was staying up late nights, well into the wee hours of the morning playing FIFA on my phone. And I was like, man, this doesn't serve me. Uh, so I deleted all phones from my, uh, all games from my phone. And, but anyways, I stopped writing and I started kind of exhausting myself in the managing of my business, I st my discontent grew and I started to fill the gaps of time, not with writing, but with distractions, Netflix, video games, moping about, eating a lot of food. It had an impact. And, and even as my success grew in the sense of I made more money, I started making consistently between you know ten dollars to $20,000 a month just on just an online program sales for example it didn't matter if i wasn't writing i couldn't i almost couldn't enjoy that success so you know this conversation i had with this young man last night we were just reflecting on um you know i'm feeling really good these days i'm in a really good place I've recommitted to <clears throat> to writing every day. I have a morning practice that I'll probably do a separate podcast on, but I have a morning practice every day, at least during the work week. I, I still consider Monday through Friday my work week. And every I don't do coaching sessions in the morning because my morning practice and my writing comes first. 
um, every morning on the weekdays, and uh, and honestly, it's really three to four days of the week. Depends on a lot of factors, you know. Whether like it depends on whether how early I wake up, and you know, I'm in relationship with a with a, a woman who's a who's a night owl. And she tends to pull me a bit later than my body wants to go. And but if I can get to bed uh, early, and you know, this is something she and I are continuing to navigate. And and uh, it's a wonderful, it's such a, it's such a beautiful thing to be in partnership with another, you know, with an extraordinary woman to to navigate all this. Uh, it's challenging, but it's also really, um, it's it's. It's one of the things I love about relationship is is doing this dance with another human being to sort of find our own our own connection to self first as the foundation of connecting to another. And so as I'm exploring and realizing that you know waking up at 6 a.m. in the morning is really, even though I've never been a morning person, when I wake up at 6 a.m. and I meditate for 30 minutes and I do my yoga stretching for another 10 minutes and I I listen to inspiring uh, YouTube videos from Alan Watts or Abraham Esther Hicks. And then I get my, my do my butter coffee and let the dog out in the, in the misty morning in our backyard in the, in the, in the hills, the Sherman Oaks Hills, just, just uh, over, the, over the crest of um, Beverly Hills and Bel Air. We're on the other side of, of that part of town. And, and uh, you know, when I let the dog out and I just, appreciate the birds and, and our view of the valley and and you know after having meditated and and been inspired by by uplifting thoughts from from the teachers I admire and now I'm drinking my butter coffee with my dog running around the backyard and then I come inside and I, I sit for another 10 minutes and I just reflect on my day and I, I ask this question what is life? want from me today? What does life want to express through me today? And I sit for 10 minutes or so and I just kind of create my my short list. I call it my daily wins. And again, I'll share this in another podcast someday soon. But I, I sit there and I create my, my list of daily wins. Uh, the four things I know I need to do today to feel amazing by the end of the day. One of those is usually on most days, it's writing for at least an hour. And then I go do that. I go sit and I write. I work on the, the blog or the article or whatever my heart is feeling called to, to explore and express. And I do that. Um, I'm elated by 11 a.m. in the morning. It doesn't matter what happens for the rest of of the day. It doesn't matter if I make any money. It doesn't matter if I, if any new clients come to me, it doesn't matter. Uh, it just, just doesn't matter what happens. Uh, it doesn't matter if the rest of the day seems kind of wasted. If I'm just stuck in traffic or doing something ridiculous that doesn't pan out the way I think it will, <laughs> it's okay. My, that morning, there's a few morning hours where I've, I've done the important things that I know I must do to feel fulfilled, everything else just falls in place. And, uh, you know, this is what me and this young man were, were talking about uh, last night. And so I wanted to share this with you because um, I'm, you know, at 45, almost 46, it's taken me a long ass time to really understand that my morning practice, my, those morning hours are the key for me to living well each day, you know, setting these, these anchors in place 
Or it's really about orienting myself, orienting my own mind and heart and spirit in the direction of fulfillment. Doing that first thing in the morning um, just has me feeling good every day. And I learned this a long time ago as an entrepreneur. It's easy to be busy. It's so easy to be busy and to do a lot through the course of the day. But I would do that, you know, wake up and just set myself to the busyness of the day. And I would do that and I would, I would go to bed at night not knowing what the hell I did today. I know I did a lot of stuff, but I didn't have a sense of deep accomplishment and fulfillment. And that was common living for the future, you know, sacrificing today for some distant enjoyment in the future, it's not a good way to go through life. So my morning practice has been essential and not just a morning practice, but but really writing, doing the thing that I love, the thing that I know I must do. It doesn't matter how many people read my, my work, doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Because uh, I've I remember when I had 10 people reading my blogs. It was it was fantastic. I enjoyed that. It was great. And then I remember when I first started having averaging about 1000 people reading my blogs. And that was amazing. You know, and then but if 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 only 500 people read a blog, I'd think, "Oh, that was a failure. Oh, that was that oh, I must not have written written a good blog." When is just a few years before 10 people reading my blog was a success. Right? It's been a moving target. And now, you know, if I don't have 10,000 people read a blog, I, I, I think I must have failed somehow. It's like, it's just, ins- it's an insanity. So I've, I've just learned, I've figured out that it just doesn't fucking matter. There's just no such thing as enough. Coming back to just writing for the sake of writing, because it fills me up. That's been my, my ultimate key to success. And when I don't do it, I'm, I feel creatively stuck. I get miserable. Even doing this podcast. I mean, I did 42 episodes last year and I'm really proud of that. But to be quite honest, podcasting has not yet become my joy. Even doing this episode, it feels fumbly. It feels, I fear that I'm rambling. Writing gives me time to organize my thoughts and put it in a way that I, that I, feel will really communicate concisely and beautifully and artfully. Honestly, in talking like this, I feel like I'm all over the damn place. Um, in fact, I'd love your feedback, especially on this episode, because I, I want to do more kind of stream of consciousness episodes like this. Uh, you know, I put together a little outline and I'm about to share with you my my three key takeaways. That seems to be something people really resonate with. But I was hoping this episode would be 20 minutes. We're now at around 40 minutes. But for me to keep doing this, I have to make it easier on me because those 42, 43 episodes I did last year, they were a lot of fucking work. And I put in so many, I probably put in 12, 15 hours for every one hour of content. And I spent money on each episode, most episodes for an editor and hosting and all of that. And I'm glad I did it, but it doesn't, it doesn't fill me up in the same way that writing does. Anyway, yeah, your feedback would be so appreciated. Brian with a Y at brianreeves.com. If you want to see what I've been writing this year, because I've been recommitting, and and it's funny, every time I write a new blog, I get some some someone always tells me this is your best blog ever. I every every blog I've written this year, and I've been writing them weekly except for maybe one week, uh, you know, releasing them and publishing them on BrianReeves.com. Everyone says I always get a comment. This is your best work ever. 
it's hilarious. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I'm so encouraged by it. Again, it just tells me, and of course there's always someone who also in the comments will say, ah, this is shit. It has been another of the great gifts of writing is that some people are gonna love it and some people are gonna hate it. In fact, my, my, my favorite comment, I don't know my favorite, but the one that sort of was the most liberating for me happened years, a number of years ago on, a, on my blog, um, The Six Things An Evolved Man Wants From A Woman. I got so many, I got hundreds and hundreds of comments on that blog on different websites. Uh, it was republished and one of my one of my viral blogs. And most, you know, 95% of the comments were very favorable. But I remember a couple of people really hated it. They didn't, they were triggered or this or that. And I remember one person wrote a comment. This, this is, this is exactly what they said. This is the worst fucking article I've ever read. Wow. I remember reading that and going, wow. Okay. Wow. I really touched them. <laughs> I was actually very liberated by that comment because it was like, again, I just, I, I cannot control what people are going to do with my art. I cannot control how they're going to receive it. I never intend to be provocative or offensive. Never, ever, ever, ever. And yet some people are going to take it that way. So with that, here are my three key takeaways. Number one, what is that one thing that you must put before all others, at least on most days, to feel fully satisfied, no matter what happens that day? What is that one thing for you? For me, it's writing. Uh, and it's becoming meditation also. Um, but for me, it's really writing. And I need to prioritize that above everything. Because when I don't, no matter what happens, there's a, there's a part of me that feels discontented and disgruntled. So what is that for you? What is that for you? Prioritize it above everything. Prioritize it above everything. That's key takeaway number one. Here's number two. You can't know what's going to work, right? You cannot know what's going to work. Anybody who is especially entrepreneurs, but anybody in any kind of creative endeavor, which is really all of us, if we're kind of living at the, at the sort of, you know, the, the edge of our fulfillment zone, we're creative beings. We never know what's going to work. We never know what's going to bring us the success that we long for. We never know, you know, even just put out a social media post. It's like you, you think you're, you, you might put out what you think is the most clever and best Instagram post or Facebook post has ever existed or that you've ever put out and you might get crickets, one or two likes. <laughs> you just, or you might put out something that you just don't even just flippantly put out and all of a sudden it goes bonkers. Hundreds of people are enjoying it or sharing it or talking about it. It's like, you just never know. This is why, you know, prioritizing key number one, key takeaway number one, prioritizing what that one thing that you know you must do above all others is so important because you get no guarantees about what's going to work anyway. No guarantees about what's going to work anyway. So why not do the one thing you know you must do no matter what so that you feel fully satisfied? And this is key takeaway number three. The point is to simply feel great at the end of every day. You're not always going to feel great and not every day, even when you do the thing you love, is not, you're still going to have bad days and that's okay. Uh, that's the human experience. But the point is 
to live your day well, to live every day well. And if you're not doing the thing that your soul, your heart, your being commands you to do every day, then I don't care how much money you have, how much, how many people admire you or love you or this or that. If, if you're not creating, using your, your body, mind, spirit to create every day what life brought you here to do, there's a part of you that is going to, that, that is going to be feel deeply, deeply unfulfilled every day. You know, we get no guarantee that there's a tomorrow. So this is key takeaway number three. The point is to simply feel great at the end of every day. All right. So thank you so much for listening. You can find this episode, including, uh, I'll put some links and resources. Uh, I'll share one of Kyle Cease's, my my old friend Kyle's videos uh, in the show notes. But you can also find other episodes featuring other inspiring insights and conversations with extraordinary and wise guests at brianreeves.com slash menthiswaypodcast. And also remember, remember, as a Men This Way listener, you get 10% off of all my courses, including the Boundaries program, Relationships Suck Without Boundaries. It's a deep dive into creating healthy, healthy boundaries, which are essential for healthy relationships as well as the Love Sex Relationship Magic Program, which teaches you the secrets to creating a thriving relationship that should never have been secrets. And if you're now in a relationship that's struggling to create and maintain connection, definitely check out the program that I created with my soon-to-be wife, the insta-famous relationship coach and therapist, Sylvie Kukasian. That program's called the Conflict to Connection 90-Day Program. You get 10% off everything as a men this way. Listener, 10% off. Just enter the coupon code MENTHISWAY10. MENTHISWAY10, the number 10, on any checkout page at brianreeves.com. Finally, if you were served by this and think others should hear it too, please share this episode or just write a review on your podcast app so that you too can lead more men this way. And don't forget to subscribe yourself while you're at it. I'm your thriving life and relationship coach, Brian Reeves, Brian with a Y Reeves. Until soon, keep your head up, your breath relaxed, and your thoughts inspired.